Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 62. I'm Michael John Simpson. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash something2xp. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. If you sign up for the free trial at audibletrial.com slash something2xp, it won't cost you anything extra, and they'll give us a little something in return. Help us out, won't you? Our guest is comedian writer and director Joel Murray. Joel and I met at a recording of Greg Proops's The Smartest Man in the World podcast. We talked about comedy, Second City, growing up in Chicago, TV, David Bowie, and movies. So I got that going for me, which is nice. Here's episode 62 of the Something Something Experience. They needed somebody to fill in for Chip. Oh yeah. I uh, went in and Proops likes me because I smoke and I drink with him. Awesome. And, uh, awesome. You know, there's i uh, I'm not much of a complainer, uh, so they like me for that cool. uh, aspect as well. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, they're like, hey, you fit in pretty well. You want to keep doing this. So it's been three years now. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I know you guys, well, well, Greg's always mentioning on his podcast when you guys are all going to be places and stuff and doing things and, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And I, like... You saw me the other night. I, I'll go and watch Greg sure. Greg's show. and sure. uh, like you do. <laughs> every once in a while, I'll go see one of his movies over at uh, Cine Family. Yeah, too. yeah. I've been meaning to go and do that, too, but it's usually on a night when I'm, like, I'm, you know, I'm a nine-to-fiver at, at this point still, so so it's usually on a night when I'm, you know, yeah. school night. It's often Sunday nights, and you're kind of yeah. like, ah, yeah. I'm kind of just going to go to bed. Yeah, but, yeah. 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 So you've been doing... Um, comedy improv and acting obviously for a long time um when did you get started with like uh, the comedy side you know the like the stage acting or st- uh, stage comedy kind of stuff well i uh my good friend dave pasquazy who's like one of the best improvisers in the country he, mm-hmm. he's out of chicago he does mm-hmm. a show called tj and dave mm-hmm. if you ever get a chance it's they're phenomenal but uh, he and I were roommates in college actually we went oh, to cool. Lo- loyola rome together mm-hmm. one year mm-hmm. and we met on the plane flight there and uh, I was sitting next to a guy who had a guitar between his knees. And uh, so I kind of got up, and he was taking up half of my space. <laughs> yeah, and man, the very definition of man-spreading. <laughs> yeah, man, man-spreading with long hair and had no problem with it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I went in the back, and I was talking to the stewardess for a while and had a beer with her, and then I realized there were some empty seats in the way back and uh, had a beer with this guy, and it was Pasquazi. And... We just kept talking and talking, and we kind of shared at one point that we both wanted to be in the second city someday. Cool. And uh, so we got a couple more beers and uh, yeah. a couple more. And <laughs> at one point, the stewardess said, um, there's no more beer. <laughs> no, on on the airplane. And I, I believe we decided we'd have a cognac. Uh, <laughs> well, then. <laughs> but Graduate. We, yeah, so we were uh, roommates in college, and we, we did a couple bits in Rome. Um, and then when we came back, we didn't know what we were going to do with our lives. And uh, we met up with some chicks that were doing a sketch show. And we 
both lied and said, oh, yeah, well, we do that. Yeah, That's we do we that. Do. Sure. We do yeah. sketches. Yeah, and uh, so we did a, a cable show in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, wow. And we're just, wow. apparently they would let anybody, anybody. on television. <laughs> so, the early uh, days of cable. Yeah. It's like one microcosm of a step above, above. that's a poor use of that word, but the, the one little hair above public access, basically. Well, it was, yeah. uh, pretty much. And so with that under our belt, um, a friend of my brother Johnny's old roommate, Chris Barnes, who was getting into improv, um, Said Del Close is back in Chicago. Oh, yeah, He's teaching this class, you so go. you gotta you gotta come. He's the man. He was the man. He was our guru. Yeah. And uh, Pesquese and I went, and um, we sat in on this class. And he, Del was cool with that. And he's like, "Well, why don't you get up, Murray?" And so we got up there, and we they took a suggestion of a hangover or something like that. And Pesquese and I did this scene that we had written for the Fort Wayne escapade, which didn't <laughs> didn't get on air. Uh, so we uh, we did this. Is oh, that real... what the show was called? The Escapade? No. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> what a name for an improv show on on, a, on cable access in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> and I had it on my resume for a good ten years or something like that. I don't remember what. The, I think it was called Night Shift. It oh, was oh, Night Shift. In fact, oh, yeah. not, there was a few of those. Yeah, not the Michael uh, Keaton no 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 movie. But um, so we did this really slow comedy sketch which revolved around two guys waking up the morning after a huge party and um, finding a girl's purse that, you know, eventually had tampons and Midol in it. um, (laughs) And just kind of piecing together what had happened the night before and the fact that we had gotten in an argument and a fight over this girl kind of thing. With somebody's jaw sore. And Del was, you know... Ebullient, uh, uh, fabulous. Look at this—not going for jokes. Apparently, not, not even any sense of wanting humor. Uh, just playing it slowly, and uh, so he w- was very complimentary. And he took me aside after the class, said, "You know, your brothers have been very good to me over the years, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd like to give you a scholarship. Mm-hmm. But I really like that Pasquazi guy, and <laughs> so I'm going to give you both a half scholarship. Oh. I, I, went, <laughs> I went from a full ride to a half ride, but." Um, <laughs> Dave and I were uh, partners in crime all through uh, the Improv Olympic, and we were the kind of the first group to get on its feet there. And then we were in the Second City Touring Company and the main stage at Second City together. And, Very cool. Uh, so that was our. That's how I got into it. Yeah, I've got that a big. Was the original question. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now I've got a big uh, a big coffee table book that somebody got me years ago. It's a sec- history of Second City. It's like a big mm-hmm. with like DVDs in the back of it. And, I'm know, in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, my experience with all of that was I watching television as a, as a, as a nipper back in the seventies. I'm, I'm older than I look, but, um, my parents were cool cause they'd let me stay up and watch SNL and I'm talking like I'm four or five, six years old. I mean, when I was, <laughs> when I was seven, I had wild and crazy guy memorized. Oh yeah, yeah. And, but, but, but then I was also watching everything I could see. I was watching SNL and, and SCTV as SCTV, well. So yeah. yeah, all the any permutation of Second City that I could find, and there were other little, you know, fly-by-night shows that were involved Second City people here on, on you know, like independent channels and syndication and stuff like that, too, yeah. and those were always a lot of fun, too. Stuff like uh, Laugh Tracks and a couple other shows like that. It's like all Lucy Webb and, uh, uh, oh, who's the guy? 
played Nelson Flavel on Mork and Mindy. Uh, Jim Stahl. <laughs> Jim Stahl. He yeah. was in the Second City with yeah. my brother Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I grew up, you know, oh, as, of as a kid going with my mother and my sisters, whatever, and seeing Brian, who, oh. you know, was with Ramus and Belushi mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and Billy, who was with Candy and Jim Stahl and Jim Fisher. So you guys are basically Thomas, almost yeah. like basically that big Irish Catholic family in the Midwest in Caddyshack. I mean, with the house full of kids and yeah, yeah. And well, then, who are you? Are you mine? Are you? <laughs> that's your nephew. Yeah, yeah. No, we actually we had two nephews come and live with us. Wow, wow. My my mom's pretty wealthy brother kicked two of his kids out of the house, and they came to live at our house. And yeah. You know, there was no room at our house, but the one came over with like a $10,000 stereo and a great record collection. So it was like, well, you can live in the family room. Yeah, yeah. Let's just put this speaker here. Uh, so that was cool. And he was an apprentice meat cutter. So that was a, wow. that was a really good time. Um, so he'd bring home a little was, something from work. Well, it was and... one of those, those summers where I was painting the house. There was somebody who was always painting our house, but you know, you, 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 you'd get high and, uh, Watch Green Acres, and <laughs> nice. uh, you know I'd make the eggs, and he'd uh, grill up a filet mignon or Fantastic. like a, you know pork loin or something oh, like yeah. that that he had caught from work. And oh, nice! It was a, it was a good start to the day. Uh, cool. But uh, yeah, Brian, my my brother Brian, kind of wrote Caddyshack with Doug yeah. Kenny and uh, Harold Ramis. Yeah. But it was kind of Brian's story. And my brother Ed, my oldest brother, was a an actual Evan scholar. He got the Caddy scholarship. Oh, okay. So it was kind of about. Yeah, him yeah. in a way. Uh, Brian found out at a young age he could make more money rather than carrying bags. He could shag balls. Both Ed and Brian shagged a lot of balls where they didn't have a driving Did they range. Put on the suit, the padded suit, so you didn't get hit. <laughs> no, that's a good luck, though. Uh, no, they didn't have a driving range, so they would just take you out into this area by this one hole, and, and people would hit you know 150 yard shots, and you'd pick up all the balls. And they'd make more money doing that and playing cards in the Caddyshack than, you know, the guys that were schlepping a bag around for four or five hours. Yeah. But I came and I caddied as well. And I wanted, you know, I thought the Caddy scholarship would be pretty sweet. My brother Ed went on a full ride to Northwestern. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. that, that was pretty cool. coin uh, back in the day. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But by the time I came along, you know, I tried to butter up with the, the Caddy Master and... and Caddy Master at that point was like literally dealing pounds of pot out of the cart shed, <laughs> and uh, he wasn't as in tune with the whole Chick Evans scholarship program. And uh, but I learned some valuable lessons there as well. Ah, you know. uh, the seventies, <laughs> yeah, the metric system, things like that. I learned, but uh, yeah. yeah, not so much uh, on the free education front. <laughs> when Carlin say something about copping a gram of ham. <laughs> we ever went to the metric system. Yeah. <laughs> we tried with that in the 70s. I remember. I was really young, but I remember we were oh. started learning about the metric system in grade school and it, it lasted like 5 minutes cuz Carter was like, "Come on, let's like get you know, going with the rest of the world. Canada's doing it. Yeah. Mexico's doing it. Why can't we, you know?" And everybody's like everyone's just like uh, uh, that metric system, get out of here. Yeah, no, I, I it was like the doors. It, it would, every couple of years, it would come back again, and it would be popular for, for a little while, and then you're like, yeah. I know, yeah, I'm not bad. jumping on yeah, board. I'm good, again. I'm yeah, good. I, I don't, I've heard L.A. Woman enough, thanks. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, writers on the storm. Yeah. Um, it's not even raining. Yeah. It's different <laughs> it's just, in Chicago. Doesn't, yeah, a little, yeah, a little different. I, I spent summers in Chicago. My dad, uh, my parents split up in 74, 75, and then my dad got remarried and moved to Chicago in 80. So I used to go and spend those hot 
sultry, sweltering summers in yeah. Chicago and had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So and fireflies. Mm-hmm. Oh, Didn't have those here, did you? No. Yeah. Well, I I grew up in Colorado mostly. Oh. And uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a transplant. I got came here in '97. So, uh, but uh, been here quite a while, uh, 18 years now. So. But, uh, yeah, I, I like L.A. a lot. I don't miss snow. I do not yeah. miss snow. I miss the big rain and thunderstorms. Don't miss the snow. Not one no. little bit. I'm, I'm hoping uh, in the next couple of years to be bi-coastal, as we call it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, place mm-hmm. on the beach in, in Michigan or Indiana there, oh, yeah, there on go. the border. There you go. And a uh, place out here mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. split the year. Yeah, yeah. You can work out of Chicago now. I sure, mean, sure. Dick Wolf's got like what five series five, shooting yeah. in Chicago now. A friend of mine's on uh, writing on Chicago Fire, and she gets yeah. flown out. She gets uh, she's a staff writer for them. She flies out uh, there probably once or twice a year to the set when they're shooting her episode. They'll yeah. They'll, she'll she'll go to the shoot. So that's, that's nice. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I was on the first season of Shameless, and mm-hmm. we would shoot just the exteriors there. Oh, okay. And, uh, so like the pilot, we shot the exteriors there. I think we shot a lot there in the pilot but, yeah. um, then like twice a year and I was only on the first season we would go and we went the one time it was a February and there was a blizzard oh and, yeah. Um, it yeah was like all those cars were left on Lakeshore Drive I don't yeah. know if you remember that I remember um, that <laughs> um, but you know, my was, dad was sending me pictures like Jesus we're dying we're gonna die <laughs> we, we were literally sketching you know like off the back of bumpers on trucks that yes. were going down Ontario, yes. the main artery in the city. Yeah. There was so few cars and yeah. it was so undangerous yeah. that we were sketching down Ontario. That was insane. I saw the kid, Jeremy, that plays Lip on that show. Uh-huh. He's really good, the, the intelligent kid, genius kid, whatever. And I was reminding him about how we uh, we went to this bar during the blizzard uh-huh. and everybody came in. We bought them drinks and uh, bought the first round and then they would kind of pay, pay it forward. And it they bar usually stayed open at four or five in the morning oh, they're like yeah. yeah we're cutting it down it's a blizzard we yeah. want to go home to our families yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. while we, we want to go can. home and be safe <laughs> and uh so these kids invited us up to their uh, their dad's condo and it oh. was like this two million dollar condo and he's like yeah we don't got any beer but we've got tons of hard liquor and the guy opens his armoire and jeremy and i are looking at it going oh but it was you know like Armagnacs and cognacs oh, and twenty five yeah. year old bourbons oh, and, and wow. scotches and stuff and yeah. uh, we drank these guys under the table <laughs> to the point where everybody was literally passed out and Jeremy and I looked at each other and going and he says he goes so we should we should rob them now <laughs> like, no no dude you're on a, a television show now you can't <laughs> you can't uh, do you that can't rob the drunk people anymore. you know people and people know you <laughs> oh because. Uh, Seems pretty easy, and there's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe, maybe just one. Maybe uh, just one. Why don't you just pick a bottle and let's go? You know, and that's, that's where we left it. Yeah. yeah my my kid my kidhood wasn't uh, as uh, filled with like nefarious adventures of that kind. I was always that kid who was scared of getting in trouble. So so I hung with hung out with kids who you know we we would go out and ride bikes and stuff. Occasionally we'd you know light a firecracker or, or something mm-hmm. or whatever. But no, we were. Always, I was always the lookout. You know, I was I was a chicken, and my buddies got my buddies got busted a lot. They got in more trouble. And my friend Jerry's father was always like, "Murray, one of these days they're going to get you." And uh, they didn't, Mister Maher. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it was always kind of no. You go ahead and light that. I got a uh, I got a basketball game in the morning. I got to go. Yeah, yeah. And I was but, always had kind of some reason I wouldn't stick around for the. Oh yeah, I mean I knew kids fireworks. in high school were just wrecked every day. I'm just like, how can you do that? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, my my biggest crime was just kind of not caring about school or you know whatever, just being bored. Basically, that was my. But but instead of a lot of kids took their boredom and you know went to drugs or you know committing petty petty theft or right. whatever. And for me, I was just like you know listening to my music and crying over girls. That was my thing, you know. But uh, yeah, I was always kind of a bit of a bit of a wuss when it came to you know the possibility of getting into trouble. I, I did some stuff though. I mean, I was a oh, yeah. prankster. I, I've got a movie script I wrote about. I kidnapped a disco ball and held it ransom <laughs> at, the, at the height of disco my senior year of high school. Nice. These guys came back from college in like the beginning of May and started throwing these lavish disco parties. Oh, wow. In our senior summer, all of a sudden, all of our girls were hanging out with these guys <laughs> and instead of us, instead of our you know forest preserve parties with old style <laughs> forest were, preserve parties. Were, oh, I can imagine. I were, can imagine because yeah. we used to spend so much time in the forest preserve. My dad scratching I, my arm just thinking about <laughs> the poison lights. ivy and, and uh, the poison lights. oak. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know what part of Chicago. My dad's kind of in the north end of Chicago city proper, um, up around kind of near Skokie, Lincolnwood area. So sure. he's right across from the Caldwell Golf Course on Caldwell. Oh, so Billy Caldwell. Exactly. Sure. He's right across the street from there. Lives around the corner. And so we would off right over, and uh-huh. all the whole area around the outside of the golf right. course. And, you know, we'd go and grab golf balls. And, and I knew some girls that grew up around there. And, and, we used to sing, you know, like city girls seem to find out early <laughs> yeah. uh, about the girls who lived up in Saugenash and uh, yeah, that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My dad still lives there. He likes it a lot. That's so. a nice part of town. We yeah. used to go, you know, being from a family of nine, that was a cheap thing to do during the holidays to go look at the Christmas oh, lights sure, in Saugenash. Sure, sure. drive around yeah, they, in Lincolnwood. They those. would do it up over there. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of cops. Uh, yeah, cops and firemen. Cops and firemen. It's kind of like uh, Simi Valley out here. Yeah, cops exactly. and firemen. You know? Exactly. There was a St. Patrick's Day where we had we ditched class and we went down to the parade. Mm-hmm. And we were imbibing, and uh, I was a football player. I was captain of the football team, leading the musical in high school. Oh, so, nice! And nice. friend of the Stoners. So it yeah, was kind of Casper the Friendly Ghost in that way. The guy that floated amongst different yeah. circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. A, a I kind of pollinator, too. but. Um, so we went down to the parade, and we went back to my buddy Billy O'Connell's house, and uh, we're inebriated a bit, and uh, all these football buddies of mine decide they're going to uh, pants my buddy Dan Mahoney, who was a, a tiny guy and, you know, left-handed stoner and, and not a football player at all, and they, they start pinning them down in the snow, and they're going to strip them naked. I'm like, come on, guys, come on. You look, you pick on somebody your own size. Yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. So they grab me and, and strip me <laughs> butt naked nice. in the yard at this house. And, uh, I, you know, come on. And so I was Fred Flintstone. They just locked me out. And <laughs> I'm trying to get in naked, pale. And they start and shooting, shooting bottle rockets out oh, the windows God. at me just to top it, right? So they're shooting bottle rockets out, and <laughs> at the time, Jane Byrne's sister, Jane Byrne was the mayor of Chicago, mm-hmm, lived mm-hmm. behind Billy O'Connell. Oh, so no. they're shooting bottle rockets at me. They're uh, missing me, but they're they're going landing. towards her house. Nice. So the next thing you know, you're hearing sirens, and this is the cop neighborhood to begin with. And I, I swear to God, by, from from that Marshall amp over sure, there, sure. Uh, about 16 feet, whatever, yeah. for your viewers at home, um, <laughs> I could see the cops coming around a hedge that far away from me, and I'm still naked in the yard, and they finally let me in the back door. And uh, wow. then Billy came out, and his dad was hooked up with a cop. Sure, sure, sure. Ah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I tried, yeah we just a couple yeah. bottle rockets. No yeah. big deal. And uh, 
Cops <laughs> smoothed were, over. Yeah, it was over. all cool. You, know, you got lucky, Murray. <laughs> Seven hundred thousand, you know, police officers, prints in the armed. snow in the backyard. But no, oh, 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 oh. yeah, it's just Billy home by himself. Yeah, it's all fine. Happy St. Patty's. Okay. Yeah. I had my own bottle rocket story. I was with, I was hanging out with. God, this is. I was in my twenties already, and there was a. My and I was I got married young, so I was hanging out with uh, my wife. Uh, her best friend in college was a music instructor, and I went up meeting one of his students at a recital or something that they were doing because we went to the recital. And um, he and I kind of hooked up, uh, uh, becoming friends because he was you know like a teenager and kind of troubled teen kind of guy, but kind of a goth kid, kind of a straight edge goth kid. And uh, we started hanging out, so I went to hang out with him and his friends one day. And I'm like the only guy, you know, 21 years old and everybody else. And we weren't drinking, but then we just, they decided to have this brilliant idea to go to one of the local high school in, in the little suburban of, of Denver and shoot off bottle rockets out of, uh, uh, wrapping paper tubes. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course the cops show up and, uh, yeah, we got, we got, uh, um, this close to being cuffed and hauled away and, and me the worst because I'm the only one over 21, but whew, dodged a bullet on that Contributing. one. Contributing. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like they weren't my fireworks. I was just there having fun with those, these, you know, miscreants basically. Just an observer. Yeah. Just an observer. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty amazing the stuff we did get away with back then. Mm-hmm. And thank God there was no yeah. cell phones with cameras. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. That's the one. <laughs> they talk about the advantages these kids today have, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know. In the terms of getting in trouble or not getting in trouble, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. We didn't take uh, pictures of ourselves doing doing terrible things. Right. And my, you know, my parents couldn't look at their phone and find out where I was. Yeah, couldn't, or, yeah. Or or where the, fam- the car was. Find your family find, app yeah. or whatever, right? Find my iPhone <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. No, they... Uh, when we were playing, we always had to stay within whistling range. My mom, my mom had this whistle that you know she could do for, you know, like a like a gym coach or something. But you know, and we'd have to come running. We'd be blocks away. Well, growing up, yeah, people had bells oh, too yeah. on, on their back porch uh-huh, kind of thing. Uh-huh. We grew up across the street from this big, huge convent. And oh it was, oh it was wow, eighty acres plus. It was a bigger, bigger big old convent, and there was. Uh, apple trees and pear trees and cherry trees and rhubarb and strawberries and I, literally we didn't find out about lunch the meal in the middle of the day until we went to school <laughs> first graders or whatever but uh we just we ran roughshod over this convent wow and, uh, it was our it was our park we played golf out there we wow. played football we played everything you know we rode bikes it was all there was all these paved roads there was a cemetery in the back corner Nice. Uh, much of my love life in the early years took place <laughs> in, in a nun cemetery. You know, there's, there's, wow. You could almost hear the hundred dead nuns cheering against you. No, don't. Don't let you him. You could almost see don't the rulers let, yeah. coming up out of the ground <laughs> in skeletal hands yeah. waiting to wrap your knuckles. There was something so naughty about it. It was just so oh, right. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cemetery, yeah. there's nothing like a little uh, cemetery action to mm-hmm. really... Right, you know that—that's the good one for the memoirs. <laughs> uh, got yeah. caught once there by the police, uh, and oh. I was the young one, and oh. uh, it was kind of like, sorry, officer. Yeah, she's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. Yeah, I got caught my first time. I was uh, in my Pontiac Ventura, met a met a girl on a uh, on a uh, church hayride at, during the holidays. Nice, and she was the. Uh, that's going to lead to dancing. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it would. It, she was the wild one from another school. So, uh, and she took a shining to me for whatever reason. 
uh, probably just because I had a pulse. And um, David Bowie T-shirt, sure, 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 something, something. I didn't have painted nails back then, but uh, or I might have, I don't know. But we uh, wound up with the two of us. Uh, I picked her up in my car, and we were going to go. And my big plan was to go and park in the parking lot of one of the local junior high schools. And nobody there, and not the one. The streetlights were out in the parking lot at right. night. They turned them off, and we were there and uh, getting ready to do our thing. And all of a sudden, lights in the car, and it was a cop, and it was a lady cop. So Ooh. she was particularly pleased with our choice of activities for the evening. And you know, do you know? Does your mother know where you are? You know where you are? I'm like, yeah. She goes, does she, no, no. Does she know what you're doing? Yeah, my mom knows what I do on dates. All right, move along. And so he moved along, and uh, we wound up going to a... She knew of a house that hadn't been bought yet, a new house, and the sliding back door was open. And, uh, you know, a million footprints around the back, so... And no electricity, no running water, but we had a, a couple sleeping bags, some candles... Uh, a wood floor. And a wood... Isn't and that a, what you really yeah, need? Yeah, carpet and... Uh, wow. A boombox and a box full of Prince tapes and... Uh, Where's this trampy little hoe now? <laughs> I have no idea. Mm. <laughs> didn't really talk to her much after that. I tried, but she uh, didn't return my calls. So that's nice. Apparently, I was just a flight of fancy for her. But it was a glorious evening. So I grew up at a time where uh, <clears throat> girls were a little more prudish. There were some public school girls because I went to fourteen years of Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, glad to see you're recovering well. There were some public school girls and some city girls mm. that found mm-hmm. out a little early mm-hmm. but uh, it was a time where pe- the fashion was they wore turtlenecks and then these like cowl sweaters mm-hmm. I forgot what the name of them the were. scoop neck or whatever yeah, but yeah they had yeah. this embroidery here oh, kind of right, thing right, so right, it was right. they were wearing Fort Knox to begin with right, it was like, right, mm, right. Yeah. you couldn't get in there you had a blowtorch and some goggles yeah. and it was rough yeah times. yeah I was always one of those guys who was never much of a lady killer. I was always like a meet in the middle kind of guy. Like, no, I would, I wouldn't go for you know even suggest a hint of anything unless there was some spark of interest coming my way. So I was always a bit timid about you know in that sort of way. But uh, I guess I'm still kind of that way. But but uh, you know the wife seems to like it, all right. So <laughs> I could always spot them. I could always spot the wounded wildebeest in the herd. Oh but, yeah, yeah. I think she's got. Too much to drink. Kind of that, kind of that. Yeah, ability. yeah. I did. That was another thing, and I was like, no, 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 no. I can't go there. I can't. I can't. I always had that kind of sense of propriety about the whole thing too, because I was very much raised by my mother, who, for all intents and purposes, was this shy of being a bra burner in the seventies. You know, Gloria Steinem, the whole thing, and the the word, the the, the, the three three word phrase that came out of her mouth most oft during the 70s was male chauvinist pig. And I never wanted to be a male chauvinist <clears throat> pig, so I was always very respectful of, of mm. you know, breaching too much of a space kind of thing. Yeah, I wasn't uh, necessarily on that side of the, mm-hmm. the fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back then, I mean, date rape was kind of okay. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was a sleazier time. It was a very sleazy time. A hairy, oily, sleazy time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh well. But you know, uh, that road we've we've. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that I think the world's changed for the better in some aspects. I mean, some people are are kind of dragging their heels a bit and kind of trying to want to stay back in those times. And I'm not necessarily. I think uh, eventually history's going to kind of forget those guys. Well, yeah, and yeah, I mean, kids today are um, they're bright. Oh you yeah. Know, they're focused. Oh yeah. But they don't. Yeah, you know, they're not. 
focused enough to see what's going on in the world and in the inequality. They're not protesting anything like kids used to kind of mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But and they're sensible. They have my kids. I mean, they always kind of have a designated driver sure, when they go out. Sure, they're sure. really strong on that, and uh, they they're very big on that. How old are your kids? I've got uh, 26, 24, 17, and 15. Three boys and a red-headed girl. You've been at it a while. Two sets, 15 months apart, seven and a half years apart. Wow. So, yeah, I'm a thinker. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, Free babysitting. <laughs> for a while there, we felt like absolute geniuses because when the two older ones were in high school, it's like you're grounded Friday and you're grounded <laughs> Saturday and you know exactly why. <laughs> don't even don't even look at me. Don't even you look know me. why. I know what you did. Yeah. I don't even have to bring it up. I know what you did. But, and then <laughs> so for you know three or four years there, we didn't have to pay for a sitter and we were out every, nice. every weekend. Nice. And, uh, I just and, never yeah. wanted a house full of mine, mine. I never wanted that. So yeah. my first wife and I, we had one. We stuck with that. My second wife had one already, before, you know, ready to go, and and now we've got a fourteen and a seventeen year old. And I'm finding the kids these days are really figuring out who they are at a young and are free to kind of figure out who they are. And that could be a little bit privilegy based on where we're living, you know, California right. and the burbs and all that, and and that thing. But you know, figuring out who they are in terms of like you know sexuality and things like that, and. They don't. They're too busy downloading every everything in the world to their phone to worry about oppressing anybody or you right. know bullying anybody or anything like that. Which I think is great. That's something they don't have to worry about. But they are a bit nose buried in phone at times. But uh, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree that this is the you know worst period, generation period ever. Period. I don't really think that. You know. No. I. I mean. The, <laughs> And I was in there, but uh, yeah. the eighties. There were there were some horrible people oh, horrible, created in the eighties. Horrible you know, people. Talk about self-centered. And, you know, the me generation. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm a firm believer that you, you, you're saying fourteen to seventeen. You're right in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like kids when they turn sixteen, rather than get their license, they should have to like do two years of public service. Sure. Just sure. get rid of them when they're really, really self-centered right, for right, those right. two years. In well, the- fortunately, my 17-year-old skipped all that. He, yeah. She, well, he, now she has basically come out as trans. And, oh, and so. As a trans. Right. Yeah. As, and, and not really presenting, you know, visibly, but just being called, you know, Taylor instead of Trevor and, and painting nails. And that's about it. Wearing pastel colors. That's about it. But, and, and being for, preferred to be called she and all that. But so just real heart of gold, not, not yeah. no fighty, no oh I hate you, no I hate myself, no none of that. It just skipped all of that, you know. And the the fourteen year old, she, uh, born she, still she. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, Didn't ask. No, it's all right. Um, <clears throat> but uh, she kind of went through those kind of oh I hate you, I hate myself thing at kind of twelve thirteen, and and now at fourteen, you know approaching 15 is kind of pulling out of that a little bit and is is kind of kind of figuring out her nicer self yeah you know but uh, well that, i mean i had three boys and then a girl and then it's completely different for completely girls different. and somebody who's transgendering uh in that age bracket you know but the boys when they're 16 it's just uh, oh uh, yeah yeah uh, 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 they just grunt at you and right. want more money and, and stuff and, right you know 
can't possibly do enough for them and they will do nothing for you. Right, so. right, right, right. Well, we have a we have a very regimented chore schedule and so, you know, and uh, nice. and allowances uh, you know, hinging upon that sort of thing and participation mm. and you know, family stuff. And we have we get together and have family dinner every night and talk we about do, our day and do, do that, that whole thing. So, we do that. So, we have communication, but you know, so it's but the 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 thing that I think that makes me happy is I know that there was a lot of kids who were not fitting into a box in high school in whatever fashion right. who had a real rough time of it and didn't find out what a rough time they were having until at seeing them again after high school and going, oh, oh, okay, and, and that makes sense. And so... And back then were picked on and preyed upon yes, and uh, abused. Yes, oh, yes, where yes, there's, yes. There's a little less, you know, it's just not right. Right. You know. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, there's still dickheads everywhere, but that's going to be a thing. That's, I don't think it's ever going to go away. But uh, we got one of them running for president. I was but say, uh, <laughs> after the election, it will go away for a while. Hopefully, but, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, one of the most interesting things I uh, somebody posted a clip from what year was it? I don't remember if it was in the nine. I think it was nineties, like ninety two or something. And Trump talking about on a talk show about how dumb the Republicans are, the dumbest series of voters there are out there, and said, "Oh, I'd be great, and I'd be wonderful, and I'd be awesome." Here he is running, and people are lapping it up. It's crazy. And yeah, they, there's stuff out there. Him complimenting Hillary back oh, in the yeah, day, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a piece of work. But I, you just think at some point he's going to say, "No, I don't really want to be president." Someday he's going to rip just, off that mask, yeah. and it's going to be Andy Kaufman, yeah. and we're all going to laugh, and it's all going to be like, "Oh, you asshole!" That would be good. That would be, be awesome. Nice. <laughs> if Donald Trump was Andy Kaufman. <laughs> Uh, uh no, no such luck. No, but yeah. then, well, the rest of them. It would be the debate. It'd be, it'd be Zmuda's greatest coup. I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a debate again tonight with the the Democrats. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. At least they're talking about issues and things like that, right. as compared to well, know. the other side is just like we're harder, harder, harder. We're gonna the nuke them out of the sand. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> Proops was talking about in his last podcast about the latest ad from Trump. It's like the sand monkey is coming for you, and he's got Muslim things full of Muslims. <laughs> how, how great was that podcast we went oh, to? The Bar Lubitsch, and I'm what? going to Bar Lubitsch in a couple weeks when he's going to be there again. So yeah, well, I like that spot. Oh, I like the drinks there. But yeah, um, yeah. the fact that he kept. Going well, we should get the show started every once in a while, and he would talk about something riff for a while. Right, all right, we got to get this show. We got to get the show going. So the show is really going to, really, really going to start the show. I'm going to start it, but uh, you know, two two vodkas in. We got to get this, and then it was the anniversary of uh, the Declaration of uh, Independence. No, no, no. It was uh, the Thirteenth Amendment. Thirteenth Amendment. Uh, Yeah. And uh, the slaves being set right, free, right, right, right. said to be set free. But then he Point went into quote. this whole thing about you know the, the only the, the, the loophole in the actual Thirteenth uh, Amendment mm-hmm. is that you you can't be held a slave unless you were imprisoned. Mm-hmm. And then he went about how mm-hmm. much of Americans mm-hmm. are imprisoned anyway mm-hmm. in their low paying job, their horrible, you know, and saying like, slavery. They got you both ways, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, 
that he, he got on that roll, and you you wanted to just like stand and cheer. Yes! It was it was yeah, it was like a crescendo oh, of yeah. mind and words that he put together. That I, that's, well, that's that's why that's, I go. Well, I, I mean, I talk about him a lot on this show because he's been really nice to me too. Uh-huh. He's mentioned my show on his a few times, and and. And you know he gave me a nice sit down at, at LA Podfest, and and he's just a he's a man. He's a great guy, and I've been a fan of his for a really long time on TV. You know the Who's Line stuff, right? And uh, and really, I've always really sided well with his you know political sensibilities, right? And the way that he's able to talk about it and spin things in such a humorous way, but then also really get to kind of the heart of everything and really kind of be real cutting edge about it. And I like that a lot, and. I listen to his show every week, and any time that he's in town, if I can go, I go. Whether it's at Nerdmeld or Bar Lubitsch, mm-hmm. and so, like I said, I haven't done the Cine Family thing yet, but I really want yeah, to. Yeah, that's good. And the Nerdmeld chair is very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable, very but uncomfortable. Uh, it's a good room, though. There's something about that room. <laughs> it's cold it's in the back of a comic shop. Of course, he mentions that every time too. But yeah. I, I don't know. I like that room a lot, and I've seen a lot of good stuff there too. Because we were, we, my wife and I were going to. The, the Meltdown show before it became a TV show, the uh, Jonah and Kamel show. And so we were going to that on Wednesdays quite a while ago. Um, and a few other guests on the podcast we actually mm-hmm. met there a long time ago. So I went and saw a Bobcat's horror movie, mm. uh, which is escaping me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Willow Creek. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the back room there at Nerd Melt and uh, you know little screen sure plus I had just flown back from Italy so, so I had, you would already I had sitting been in a sitting little in, chan- you know, uncomfortable chair <laughs> for eight hours or whatever and then I, I got there and I got in this uncomfortable chair and I'm like mm. transatlantic flight the uh, sequel yeah, <laughs> directed by Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> I didn't enjoy the movie as much as I might have right uh, right chairs yeah were comfy, yeah but, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I guess that's where I have my my problem with the back there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <sighs> what else? Uh, so, what are you? Are you other than the uh, who's line stuff? What are you other than high school? Other than high school. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to high school, Chet. Um, what? what uh, I just like talking to people about their upbringing, their how they get started, or or those things that kind of develop their artistic and or comedic sensibility and, and where they come from and, you know, and, and, you know, what kind of those things they draw from in order to kind of create what they create. So, I mean, uh, other than the, than the who's line stuff and, you know, that kind of the road shows that you guys are doing, what else are you working on right now? Well, I, uh, I've always been an advocate that you you know, if you put enough lines in the water, you're going to catch a fish mm-hmm, on something. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to write, and um, I always am auditioning for movies and television shows, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, always am auditioning for voiceover work. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, I've gotten some plum voiceover roles over the years, but they're much harder to get nowadays. There's oh, so yeah. many more people trying oh, yeah, out for things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, like I was the voice of Chester the Cheetah for Cheetos for 11 oh. years. So that was that was a sweet one. And I was in the Monsters University. I was Don Carlton. Uh, oh, okay, okay. With the mustache, the mature cool. student. But um, so I'm always doing that. Um, I uh, I direct. I've been directing. Uh, I did. Uh, Sitcoms when I was on Darm and Greg, okay. when I was on Last right. Man or on Still Standing and stuff like that. I did, but I've done the Big Bang Theory. I've done uh, Last Man Standing, okay. uh, Mike and Molly, and Two Broke Girls. Oh, yeah, so I'm still yeah. trying to get that going and uh, back doing that. And <clears throat> you know, you, you get one of those 
and you get your insurance for the year. And the DGA insurance is quality stuff. It's, it's better than the, <laughs> the SAG. And, uh... Hi, everyone. It's Michael. I just wanted to jump in here with a special offer for you, the listeners of the Something Something Experience podcast. Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I personally recommend The Smartest Book in the World by former guest and friend of the podcast, Greg Proops. It's a rollicking reference guide to the most essential areas of knowledge in Proops' universe, from the noteworthy names of the ancient world and baseball to the movies you must see and the albums you must hear. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash something2xp. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash something2xp for your free audiobook. If you sign up using that URL, they'll give us a little something in return, and you'll be supporting an independent podcast just like that. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. And then I've got a couple movie projects that, you know, people are talking about me directing, but it's the Catch-22 that everybody's in. It's like, well, we we can't get the money until right. we've, you know... Right, we've right. got some. You got to get. There's some ducks that have to go in a row. Some twenty-year-old star that uh, has thirty-three yeah. billion Twitter followers, and then yeah. we can get the money. But until uh, you get this attached and that, and then so a lot of that stuff is flailing. Um, but yeah, it's it's always interesting. At the beginning of the year, we were like, "How the hell am I going to do it this year?" Right, I, right. I, I go on a corporate tax cycle, you know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the thirty-first uh, New Year's Eve, I'm always. <laughs> I'm gonna write a huge check to the government. Um, so, the actor's life—it's it's a weird thing when right. you know people all say they want to get into it, and like, uh, it's not—it's not as great as yeah. you think it is. Yeah. And uh, may I suggest real estate first yeah. off? Um, do that, yeah. and, but secondly, you know, it's—it's it's a personal rejection. It's a weird oh, yeah. business, yeah. and it's tons of rejection. Yeah. It's not. You know, I always say it's buying lotto tickets, but it's a lot of, you know, just get, how many times you got to get slapped in the face before you get to kiss the girl. Sure, sure, sure. And um, from when I started, uh, the money has gotten horrible for the middle class mm-hmm. and the lower class mm-hmm. actors. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. where you used to make, you know, a nice living in the middle, now it's, it's, it's like our society as a whole. Everything yeah, is yeah. top loaded. And, you know, Tom Hanks and... Uh, you know, and they're coming in and taking voiceover roles. And or Sam other Jackson things, is, you right, know, asking sure. me what's in my wallet, and right. you just want to go fuck you. you what's yeah. in my wallet? Yeah. You know damn well what it is. Nothing, moths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The highest paid actor of all time has got to do commercials like that. Yeah. And it's like when Jay Leno was doing Doritos. It's like <laughs> when, when Jay Leno went to Five Nights a Week. Oh, I remember yeah. being in a bar in Chicago, and I was explaining to a guy, "Well, no, no, that's five nights. So now he's got." That's two one-hour shows yeah. or four half-hour shows. So that's like 500 people a night are out of work that he's doing that show in yeah. that space. And yeah. the guys in Chicago, well, uh, why don't you have him killed? I mean, what are, what are, <laughs> of course, like, that's the Chicago what, what, way. <laughs> five, five, eight grand, eight grand. Have the guy killed? You, know, you get you get all those people to pitch in, couldn't you? You know, shit, all those people. It'd be worth their while. Just, yeah. 
Uh, kill the fucker, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, just well, kill him, you know. Uh, all right. Well, let's just toss see him if, in the river, you know. Let's see if he kills himself yeah. uh, first. Uh, and that worked out. And but, unfortunately, he wound up killing the crowd most of the night. Uh, so most times, I remember when Jay Leno was was doing the stand up circuit, and he was funny. I mean, I, I got engaged the night of a, of a Jay Leno show back in nineteen eighty nine. So I took my. Yeah, girlfriend at the time, my first wife, out to the out to Jay Leno show and a, a dinner at the at Baby Doe's in Denver. The, Baby Doe's. It was oh. a uh, it was a silver mine themed restaurant, like you do. <laughs> that was fancy to me at sixteen and my or at uh, eighteen and my grandfather and my uh, stepdad's uh, El Camino and <laughs> you're on to El Camino. You've had some good cars yeah, thus that's far. Right, that's right. That's right. Ah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, we went to a Jay Leno show and uh, saw him at the where was that Betcher concert hall, I think. But yeah, I mean, he was still doing stuff oh, down yeah. he down in the South Bay. He was performing uh, even when he had it. The, oh yeah, the even though the night show was still doing stand up, uh, yeah. and a, a pretty good stand up. But yeah, then it just kind of spends all his time driving around, driving old cars. Well, you got them all. You might as well drive them. Yeah. It's going to yeah. take a while to drive them all. Yeah, drive them well, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, there used to be a time where it was embarrassing to do a commercial in the United States. Oh, yeah. You, you'd no. go over and right. do it in J- right. Japan, like my brother in Lost in Translation. Exactly. Aging star, exactly. do a commercial in Japan, because yeah. that wouldn't be embarrassing. No, 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 no. But yeah, no. I mean, even like guys like Brad Pitt and stuff would go and do commercials yeah. overseas. Tom Never Cruise. in America. In the, but oh, right. No, there's no shame anymore. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, Charlie Sheen was a big movie star, and then he started doing a TV show, and that was like, whoa, I mean, so, yeah, yeah, times they are a-changing. But I think it's that thing, going back to that whole thing of, you were talking about earlier, of that kind of diversification in the entertainment business, of having your irons in a whole bunch of different fires, so one goes out, you've got another one to keep you warm, so. Yeah, I don't know, I, like, I don't go on... I would now, but I don't. <laughs> I don't like doing it. But uh, I would never go on commercial auditions when I was on a series. Oh, sure. Because you'd walk in that room and the looks you'd get from these guys are like, hey, seriously, you dude. Serious. You're on yeah, Tom yeah. and Greg. What do you? I got four kids to feed. You know, they, these guys would give you these looks. They didn't have to say anything. Right, and right. I, I just said, you know, yeah. unless somebody actually calls and asks for me, sure, uh, sure, then that's sure, never sure. happened. Right. Uh, uh, really, yeah, yeah. But uh, me either. Wait, mm-hmm. you know, feel you on that one. <laughs> I, know, I love those auditions where you go on and they're they're looking for a Brian Doyle Murray type for a voiceover audition. I'm his like, brother. <laughs> well, besides the fact I can do a perfect Brian Doyle Murray, why don't you call Brian? Because I'm pretty sure he's free today. <laughs> and I would be more than happy. I don't think he's playing golf until yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that actually that was a bit. Uh, <laughs> oh man. But did so um, back to two broke girls real quick. So you've directed some. Did you write any of those too, or no? Or just just directing. No, just directing. That's a good show. That's it's. A, I'm really I'm really happy that show has lasted because I like I like the people that are on that show and and it's so in in a in a a sea of what came being you know the television of being awash with generic sitcoms back in the 90s and early 2000s and now that there's a bit of a dearth of that. Having something that's so sing- it's such a singularity. There's really nothing like that show. It's quite unique, and it's unique to direct in the fact that um, 
they come with a good sized script, uh, like a forty joke, 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 forty five page joke, script yeah, or something yeah, like that for yeah. a twenty two minute show. Yeah. And you know there is a lot a, of meat in those shows. There's a wisdom that it's a page a minute, so forty five is already long. And then they will rewrite and rewrite every scene as they're going along. And the the two lead girls have the amazing ability to memorize instantly. stuff instantly that they say they have yeah. somebody come up to them after they powwow for sometimes thirty minutes in front of the audience. And walk up to them and give them all these lines, and they memorize them immediately. And it's kind of well, you you prove you could do it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's interesting in the fact it's it's kind of like it's Michael Patrick King's uh, parlor game, and mm-hmm. he has his writer friends, and we get together <laughs> one night a week, and we try to see how many jokes we can write in and in, in front of the audience. And They're nice. Uh, and but by the end of it, you've got a. A forty-five minute show or an hour show that's that, with, that somebody with, then has to edit down to uh, twenty minutes and thirty sure. seconds, and sure. uh, it's pretty good. But pretty I've good. always liked Cat Denning a lot, and and uh, that. But the other thing that always surprised me about that show—it's on CBS, right? CBS, I think. One, yeah, yeah, okay, and I'll go with that. It's pretty dirty for a. It's filthy, it's and it's eight thirty. Yeah, yeah. It always really surprised me. I, I was on shows where the censors would be running oh, a, onto the stage, yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. no, it just that's a fisting joke, um, and <laughs> yeah. there's no there's no double entendre there. No, that's uh, that's like one talking there, about losing one. his watch up your asshole. That, yeah. That's a that's a fisting joke. That's and that's one of the things yeah. I like about that show. Yeah, they, you know, it just they it, really push it. They really do, and yeah. I, I'm I'm a big. I'm a. It's like Groucho said. I hate a dirty joke. I do unless it's told by somebody who knows how to tell it. Yeah. And I love anything that, even that's, whether it's hitting you over the head like a bar of soap in a sock, or whether it's sneaking under the radar. Either way, I love stuff like that. Well, it's it's interesting to be in the director's seat where you get to see like I I got to see Chuck Lorre when I was directing oh, Darman Greg. Yeah. Uh, sit in and see the network notes come in and this woman who looked very young for her age gave Chuck some notes after the read through and he just gave her a look saying you know that's that's a very bad bad note <laughs> and let's let's seriously not waste our time with something like that again just so, you, just so you can speak and she never ever complained about anything again wow. and I, I got to see um, Michael Patrick King when uh, this whole episode I directed was all the character it's like they go to a comic con mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. and she's mistaken she gets to be death bitch whatever <laughs> and the network people had a hard time with death bitch being said you know 140 times during the episode kind of thing and Michael Patrick King just right away was like, "No, you saw the script weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It's Death Bitch. It's that's Death the bitch. character's that's name. That's the character's yeah, name. No, no, Death no, Bitch. We're going yeah, with Death no, Bitch. No, I'm not going to change it. Uh, <laughs> we'll change something, but we won't change that. And you'll understand why when you see how good it is. And it just hands Ma- it to Maud said, "Bitch on CB yeah. on ABC back in 1975. Was, we're saying bitch. <laughs> it was a big deal when you know Archie Bunker flushed a toilet on camera oh, back uh, in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. See, and we." Like I said, I'm older than I look, so I was watching all that in prime time. All the, you know, everything, all the Norman Lear stuff, all of it. We watched all of it. My parent, my family ate that stuff up. When and like I, I said, my mom had more of a, you know, left left leaning sensibility back then. Now she's 
this shy of being a teabagger, pretty much. But, uh, you know, Yikes. people change. But, yeah, I don't know. I keep getting further. When I was uh, in grade school, uh, before Jimmy Carter there, but I, I could play on the clarinet. I could play all the theme songs on Saturday night, which nice. was uh, MASH, Mash into uh, All in the Family, Mary Tyler Moore, the mm. Bob Newhart Show, oh, and uh, the Carol Burnett. Bob Newhart Show, best TV theme song ever. And it would end up at uh, the apartments at Plaza del Lago by my house growing up. Uh, that's where Bob lived. In that breakdown with the little twinkling, yeah. tinkling can. Oh my god! And Suzanne Plachette spins uh, around. And, oh. Bill Daly. Oh yeah, Bill Jerry Daly. Everybody. Jerry the Dentist with Peter Bonner. Peter Bonner, everybody on that He kind of mentored me when I was studying oh, to nice. be a director. He nice. took me under his wing. Yeah, Super he directed nice a lot of stuff after the Newhart show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great guy. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but, but I mean, sitcoms like that were so smart. I mean, in the but they weren't dirty at all. They were no. just situation no. comedies. Yeah. And the comedy was but in the situation. really, really kind of cutting to the heart of human experience in a way that I don't want to say it's been lost I guess it's kind of being rediscovered now in but kind of as my my co-host says uh, hiding the pill in the piece of cheese kind of thing where you the, the human experience is kind of caught in a goulash of, of filth or whatever or, or right. something or, or nerd nerd culture or that kind of thing too um, um, you know so yeah, it seems like there's a lot more pop culture in pop culture, self-referential stuff now. Oh, the Two Broke Girls is a millions, a wash millions with it. of a pop wash references. With it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's something else that's really in my wheelhouse too, because I like pop culture. Always have liked pop culture. I like I like shows about shows as well, and and you know I I like I like old showbiz too. I had the fortune of of growing up at a time where. Where Bob Hope would waltz onto the set in the middle of of the Tonight Show just cause, yeah, and you get to see that, or Dick Cavett interviewing people on PBS and and getting to see that firsthand, and and Mike, watch Mike Douglas hanging out with John yes. Lennon in the middle of the afternoon, yes, you know stuff like that, yeah, 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 Mike Douglas and John Davidson and and Merv, oh, I miss Merv so much. One of the actually <laughs> back to Second City, one of the best things in the world was was. Uh, uh, Rick Moranis doing uh, Merv Griffin on SCTV. Yeah. Like, Ooh, you know? <laughs> I've got a friend who was Merv's assistant, a guy named oh. Brett Anthony, who every once in a while will be at a, like a golf tournament. And like, hang on, what the? He's like, yeah, yeah, Merv's pants, Merv's and, but he's nice. got a lot of Merv's clothes. He had on a, a, a Detlef Shrimp's golf tournament recently. I had on this loudmouth suit. He had on a, a full-on nudie Cohen. Uh, this just phenomenal, like, I'm the best Mexican waiter you're ever going to have in your life. Ever. And there were women coming up to him going, you know, you shouldn't have that on. That should be in a museum. You shouldn't be wearing that. And he's like, it's hey, mine. It's mine. I'll do Mother what I gave want. It to me, and I, I'm wearing it. And I'm wearing it well. Uh, it, oh, but, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. But the other thing that, you know, we're talking about middle class actors, it's, it's rough to get by. Back in the day, 
you had all these talk shows where people oh. got paid to be on the talk yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What three hundred bucks a pop, right? Something, something like that. Yeah, I, I, but uh, you and had they all, make their living off. You of had that. all these game shows right. where you oh, know the the, the yeah. soupy sales of the world. All of a sudden, you know, we're getting five grand a day to, to Tattle Tales, uh, Match Game. I watched all you of that. It. You name there was well, see, hundreds I, of them. I am your your ten thousand dollar pyramid. You know, <sighs> eventually got up to a hundred thousand. Hundred thousand dollar pyramid. Yeah, I remember when it was ten thousand dollar pyramid. Oh, there was a show. That um, password, that, yeah. There was a show that, oh yeah, yeah. Well, password. I mean, shit. That started back in the sixties, fifties. Yeah. Um, what's my line? I watched even. The, well, see that I watched. The thing about us is, is being a Gen Xer. When we get home in the afternoon before the parents came home, we'd watch all this TV. Well, they didn't start making TV for us until the eighties, till the mid eighties, early to mid eighties. We were watching old sitcoms and old game shows from the fifties and sixties, and you know, mm-hmm. early seventies. We're watching all that stuff in reruns, so we got this kind of taste in, into this this kind of insight into our parents' pop culture, oh, or yeah. even even before that a little bit. Well, in Chicago, every afternoon you came home and you watched Dick Van Dyke, Hogan's Heroes, you know, that Bewitched, that all Leave that it to stuff. Beaver, Leave it to My Beaver. Three Sons, right, Ozzy right, right, and Harriet, right. I Love Lucy, etc., etc., etc. Oh, cramp! <laughs> Feel free to stand if you need to. I played basketball this morning. Oh, oh. And uh, cramp, cramp, yeah, it's going. I get those too. My wife and I have been been ex- got on the exercise train about a year ago. Lost about sixty five pounds so far. My wow. wife's lost seventy five. Yeah, we're we're doing it up. Wow, doing it up. My wife is looking real good all of a sudden. Oh, so I'm kind of like, yeah, how did this get on the? Yeah, somebody might be cutting out. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's always the thing. <laughs> But all of a sudden, your husband's really, you know, trim, and he's lifting weights. He's going to the club all sure. the time. He's leaving. Yeah. Oh, we were at the club last night. We went to there was a Bowie tribute night at one of the clubs that we go to every oh, no night. Kidding. It was packed. But I never, I've never danced so much in one night in my life. I swear, I was out of the four four hours we were there. I must have danced to two forty five three hours. I mean, it was just. Just dancing and dancing and dancing because ever there's three rooms, three different yeah. DJs. They're all spent through mixing Bowie into their set, and so it's just Bowie, 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 Bowie. Bowie but this is at a health club? No, no, no. no this, this is at a club, dance club. club. Yeah, this yeah. Is a, at a goth club actually. Ah, so, but yeah, go. so across but, the uh, street from the Second City, they, there was a place called the Exit. Oh, okay. It was kind of the punk club mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. on the block. Sure. We, we had this weird block. It was like five blocks long, but everybody you knew lived on the street. Oh. And you could walk around at five in the morning and run into 20 people. <laughs> that you knew. Nice. But, um, nice. There would be nights where you got in a fight with somebody after the sh- during the show, and you were pissed off at somebody, and you'd go over to exit and just like strip down, and you'd have your dress pants on from the show still, and your dress shoes, and, and you just, just go, go and just a white t shirt and just thrash out, nice, and, nice. and dance real hard for about forty minutes, and nice. then, you, then you look over and you realize the other guy is over there, <laughs> <laughs> mad at you, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> dancing it off. Good, good, yeah, good workout. I can see Eugene Levy up in there just like throwing down. <laughs> like Murrup Mel's rock pile, you know? <laughs> uh, oh. oh, God. I miss SCTV. That's, that's one of the shows that... Because that it did that thing where it kind of came and went and came and went in America, you know, mm-hmm. started it in Canada and all that. And the difference, sometimes it was 90 minutes, sometimes it was a half an hour. And then they did the SNL thing where they kind of spliced and diced it. 
but you then you'd see the same bits over and over again. But I got all the original series like all on DVD, and I love to just go back and throw it in and just remember and just that that was one I of those things like to binge that oh, and, and from start to yeah. Finish. There was my, my brother Brian wrote on it most of the time, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. and Ramus too. Ramus the very first season, yeah. But yeah, Brian was he started the Second City Toronto up there where yeah. where that came out yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I think it was kind of a dodge drafting device originally. Yeah. <laughs> Triple D dodge right, drafting right. device. <laughs> uh, but he went up there and they, they started the, the Second City up there and uh you know, he loved it up there. Oh, yeah. uh, and they had such yeah, a good little time. shithole studio up in the middle of where what yeah. Manitoba or wherever the hell it was and it was just Oh my god, and such a just amazing it's it's so funny. There's so much almost like almost unsung hard talent that came out of there. People who were just are always on the peripheral of stuff. Flaherty and I mean Rick Moranis got in your Ghostbusters and that kind of thing, but right. but Dave Thomas and 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 you know Eugene Levy obviously he kind of had to come back with the American Pie stuff and everything but mm-hmm. my god Just people quality. forget that that Eugene Levy was in uh, Splash yeah. I mean, wow. You know, I mean, just, and, and I would always see those people. Oh, wow, John Candy. Oh, wow, Andrea Martin. Oh, wow. And then people were like, who, what? It's like, didn't you watch SCTV? No. Oh, well, I was the only one. So, yeah, I, oh I grew God. up in like sixth grade, whatever, fifth grade, before SNL, uh, when they were all on the National Lampoon Radio Hour. Yeah, and my yeah. brothers would say, all right, record, record the radio, radio hour for me. And they'd go out for the night and they would come home. And I'm like, yeah, I, I recorded it. It's only a half hour long, and you know I'd get slapped, and uh, it was only a half hour. That was the joke. It was the radio hour, yeah, but yeah, it was only yeah. a half hour long, hour. and uh, it, that was stuff was just freaking. Oh hysterical. yeah, and now a lot of those recordings are available and stuff too. But you know, I mean, Bill doing the DJ character and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, that was good stuff. The Mr. Rogers stuff. Yeah, yeah all that. Yeah. Oh my God, the Mr. Rogers Kung yeah. Fu Christmas. Can you say what was it? Can you say? I sure, I knew you could. Um, oh God, I used to hear that bit you're on Doctor. You're easily amused, man. <laughs> yeah, I like to get up when the sun is warm, like you know, two, three in the afternoon. Anyway, uh, I always loved the Sex Drug, Sex Drugs, Rock and Roll, the End of the World album. That was really good. The one with the uh, the the interviewing the Puerto Rican guy on the apartment fire, and he's like, he's like, so would you say you were around at the time? No, no, I'm, no, I wouldn't say I was here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, my god. They did a, a full on musical one week. They did Moby, the musical. <laughs> wow. And I, I I would love if anybody ever has a copy of that to, mm-hmm. to hear that because I remember being just blown away. Oh, yeah. Uh but it, a, a full on Yeah. I, I mean when we were in the second city we thought it would be a good idea oh, to, sure. to, to try That'd to resurrect fun. that and That'd we, be fun. we should do a radio show and we uh, rented some studio time. We had some guy that was going to produce it and it would, paying some money for us and not even close to anything of quality uh, but the thought that they did a full on musical uh, one week compress that into a half an hour just yeah. unbelievable so yeah good. some of the music stuff they did was just insane yeah. it was insane Southern California <laughs> brings me down <laughs> so true so true oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> wow yeah, it's it's weird. I have most of my my wife and a lot of my friends are, are you know ten years you know eight five ten years younger than me, so they don't have the same the same nostalgia for certain things that I do. And because me every Sunday I'm listening to Doctor Demento. We didn't get National Lampoon Radio Hour in Denver. We didn't get we didn't get uh, fire even Firesign Theater. We had to hear that on recordings uh-huh. as well. But 
D- Demento would play, you know, you know, all this stuff all the time, and and so every Monday morning, it was on Sunday nights, and every Monday morning, I had my tape, and we were in there with the tape recorder. I'd bring my tape recorder to to school, and we were sitting and listening at lunch and stuff, and <laughs> going over, and we, you know, Dr. that's when Weird Al was coming. Oh, yeah, I was uh, at two parties recently, uh, the same night with. Uh, Eric Stone Street is a mm-hmm, friend, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but he has this blowout uh, party, and Paul Feig oh, uh, yeah. who, who had the party the same night, yeah, yeah. and uh, run into Weird Al, and oh, I don't know man. if he's married to her or yeah. if yeah, yeah. it's his wife. Yeah, the, the white, white hair, yeah. gray hair, yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful yeah. woman oh, yeah, with yeah, silver yeah. hair, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, I was talking to her and making her laugh, and... You know, he's kind of awkward in in person. Mm-hmm. You know, you would mm-hmm. think a guy who's so funny or has the ability to be so funny would be a little bit more gregarious. But no, he he was kind of just, why is this guy making my wife laugh? You know? <laughs> and so then I saw him later at Stone Street's party, and I ran into his wife again, and I'm making her laugh. And Ooh, who's I, this guy? Uh, here he is again. <laughs> why I uh, If I weren't so shy, I would do some. Yeah, it was, it was kind of fun to watch. Andrea Martin was there. Uh. And, um, SCTV, but one of the sweetest people in the world. Oh, sure. And uh, I wouldn't stop hugging her. We, we had this bit going. We would go, Andrea, and I, we would hug, hug again. But for years, wherever I go, I, I'll run into her. She's like, hi, Joel, Andrea, Andrea Martin. Like, yeah, Andrea, we know who you are. Yes. Home Alone, seen it, SCTV, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Balbo. More than familiar with your work. Edith Prickley. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, just. Edith Prickley's actually uh, the other one. Uh, What's her name with the dark hair? Right? No, no. Andrea did Edith Prickley. Yeah, yeah. She she put on oh. the, the the leopard print and the the hat and the glasses. Edith yeah, 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 right. yeah. Right. yeah <laughs> you know that oh. thing. Which character are you thinking of? Are you thinking of Catherine O'Hara? I'm thinking of Catherine okay. O'Hara, and yeah. I just said Andrea Martin. Oh, you were thinking of Catherine O'Hara. <clears throat> Catherine O'Hara. I'm tired. <laughs> I played basketball. It's okay. Uh, we'll forgive you. No, it was Catherine O'Hara. They're not going to hear this. always comes up and says, <laughs> Joel, Catherine, it's me, Catherine. Catherine, <laughs> Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Edith yeah. Prickley. Oh, yeah. And she was in uh, the Second City out oh, yeah. here when they opened in L.A. Yes. with Ryan Stiles yeah, and yeah, Mike yeah, Haggerty yeah, yeah, and Richard yeah. Kind. She did a couple. Uh, I, I used to watch Who's Bonnie Line, Hunt. the British Who's Line, and the early American Who's Line as well. And back in the nineties, nineteen hundreds. Um, but yeah, and Andrew Martin came on as a as a fourth on on there a couple times too. Yeah. So yeah, very funny. Yeah, God, we used to watch that religiously. That was I'm I'm, I'm newly married. 20 years old basically a bum out of work my wife's working and I can't hold a job to save my life and I'm home just in my underwear watching comedy the comedy channel all day watching all that stand up all those shows all the who's line all the everything and and then just absorbing all of that stuff so yeah 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 do you have this sound and vision collection oh yeah 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 Yeah, I have it I didn't get the t-shirt out of the deal oh I got this from the concert this is from from the tour this is a tour shirt Oh, because I have the collection. The, the you know, it's like eight CDs. Yeah, 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 yeah. The eight CDs, and then it has that one little weird video disc yeah. that you can't play on anything now. You could put it in a computer and maybe maybe something will maybe happen. download an app that'll be able to play it. But it's basically just the ashes to ashes mm-hmm. video. But yeah. other than that, you know, yeah, that weird thing. So yeah, I still have that. that those were, that that was when I sold my CD collection and digitized everything. 
that was one of the ones that I kept was the Bowie one. So I got to see him twice. Me too. Uh, I saw him when he played here. At, I don't know if that was at Anaheim Stadium, but uh, went with Bobcat Goldthwaite and his wife and my wife, and we went and uh, limo. So that kind of nice. made me think because Bob was uh, Bob actually was spending money back then. Uh, was but, this? Uh, Living off his shakes the clown money, or uh. it was it was around that time, uh, uh, hot to trot money. Oh, hot to maybe. trot! There but, you go, um, there you go. The horse movie money. But we, here. we got to meet Lenny Kravitz, who opened up for him, oh. and David Bowie. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, missed my that wife, tour. My wife. That was the black guy. tie, white noise, or was it the one after that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that was kind of that kind of jazz fusion album he did that was really good I liked that a lot I've been listening to so much Bowie just oh, and then I, I, was I saw him back in Chicago where this uh, underage girl uh, <laughs> wanted to know if I could drive her to the the concert she needed a ride oh, yeah. she's like I've got great tickets and I'm okay okay and uh, second row nice second row nice. and uh that was that was really good. Saw Bowie twice. Saw the Sound and Vision tour in Denver and in 1990, and then 95 when he came around with Nine Inch Nails. I was at Mick Nichols Arena in Denver in the front of the pit. Oof. I was ten feet from God. Yeah. Well, this second row in Chicago oh, was yeah. was oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 probably yeah. about I the same. I cracked a rib. <laughs> there was a rail. You know it's good. There was <laughs> a rail, and I got pushed up again, and my rib just kind of went. <laughs> So, worth it, worth it. Still have the guitar neck. Reznor came out and smashed his guitar during his set. This is before Bowie came on. And actually, they did this awesome transition where Reznor's playing Hurt, playing like his his closer. Uh And Bowie comes out and plays the saxophone. And then they go, and then they do this transition, and then they go right into "I'm Afraid of Americans," which they produce together. And then Bowie goes into his whole set, and the place emptied out because everybody's like, "Who's this old guy?" And I'm like, "Bye, bye, Felicia. I'm gonna sit here and watch God perform in wow. front of me. One of the best things in my life ever is uh, my favorite Bowie song is Andy Warhol, All right. and he did that in concert. And this big light panel, this big giant fluorescent light panel." lowered down and lit and just flooded him with light right over him thing was probably like 10 feet by 10 feet and the thing and then he just stood there with his hand up on his his fingers up on his cheek staring straight ahead singing into the microphone like he's looking at a piece of art standing in a gallery and he sang Andy Warhol and the the light thing just turned and twisted and and, you know kind of bent and tilted around all around him and lit him and I was just like "Ah!" that was outstanding Outstanding. Oh. I was gutted when he. I, I woke up on Monday and I was just wrecked. Yeah, I was... sat and cried for an hour. I couldn't even get ready for work. I was useless Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> I did it's, fuck well, all at work. It's been a horrible week. Oh my we God. It's this, this last two months, yeah. man. They say yeah, people die in threes. No, it's been like sixes it's been and like eights 12. lately. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. The, the, the cinematographers and, and directors and. and and uh, Rickman and Lemmy and fucking we lost Gilligan. Nimoy last year, huh? Gillian. Gillian. Bob Denver this Bob, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you name it. Bob, De- Bob Denver too this Bob week. Bob Denver this week. I didn't hear about that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, you I had to get nine years ago. You had to get. Abe Vigoda's still kicking still though. Kicking it. Go Abe. <laughs> I had our first house we bought Bob in L.A. Denver, Jesus. Uh, was Dobie Gillis. Yeah. Maynard Krebs on Dobie Gillis. Wow. Yeah. Told you I'm older than I look. Yeah. 
our, our, our first house we bought in L.A., we got a crazy deal because the couple was going through this brutal divorce. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, they, we low-balled them, and then they, I don't know, they dropped the price a couple times, and we, we finally bought in. And um, we redid different rooms and you know, as you went along. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. master bathroom, when it would get steamed up, mm-hmm. and I put a steam shower in the master bath, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the one whole side was all mirrors. Oh. And when it would get steamed up, there was an apology and all the words to heroes that had been obviously written by uh, in lipstick because lipstick will stain a mirror basically yeah so but when it would steam up it would all reappear like oh my god that's honey, amazing honey it's back <laughs> bowie's back he's we're being haunted he's not even dead yet <laughs> so uh yeah it yeah. made me think of that the other day when he when he passed wow but yeah. did you saw the picture of him like three days before his death he looked yeah, great looked and amazing and, on his birthday yeah two days his birthday friday and then boom i should look so good yeah mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't even put out a podcast last week because I'm just like, I got nothing, no. I got nothing. So, we, but we've been doing that night. There was well, there's a karaoke place that I've been going to for ten years, and we got everybody just shut up and sang Bowie. The place was packed to the gills. Everybody got up, sang Bowie. I lost my shit halfway through uh, Life on Mars, and people came up, and I just felt arms around me, and people had to grab the other microphone, and everybody just sang along, and it was just. Just real catharsis, and then the the dancing thing last night, and it was just great. We just everybody's just been coming together, and it's just been this um, tremendous worldwide, everywhere. Even my dad wrote me and said, "Wow, sorry we lost Bowie." So, my one of my first sketch groups, we used to do a, a, a place, a bar called Kiku's uh, in Chicago, but we used to do a review called Modern Love. Oh. It was a bunch of just pieces we had written. Nice. Uh, but we we always we started out with the music, but that you know maybe the one of the lamer Bowie tunes of all time. But uh, I actually like that. It was the year. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. it was the eighties. It was, was, was eighty yeah. three. But that was yeah. fitting right in. And actually, he didn't quite like go the new wave route or whatever thing. He just really kind of carved out his mm-hmm. little thing. And a lot of people dismissed it as whatever the the classic Bowie blah blah blah. It was a, you know departure. But it's like hey, he's doing his thing. He, you know, but he could write an incredible pop tune too. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this story I heard this week about him uh, and Freddie Mercury writing Under Pressure mm-hmm. where they were working on something else and they were like, no, let's let's write something different. Let's yeah. write something new. And uh, they just wrote Under Pressure in yeah. a couple hours. Have you, um, have you heard the, uh, the acapella track from that? Yeah, oh, I just so heard that. Good. They played that but in between rounds at the karaoke bar last week and everybody was singing along. Yeah. And just the, you know, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. That's but, and then the new album, just phenomenal. Uh, it's such a... I mean, the man, like, eulogized himself. I mean, who else could do that? Who else could even take their own death and make art out of it, you know? And just incredible, incredible. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah. yeah. Well, on that chipper note. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so, what do you got coming up? What do I got? I'm going to uh, Sundance uh, for the festival. I've got two movies premiering. One is called Sophie and the Rising Sun, which is a 1941 period piece with some really great actresses in it. Uh, Margot Martindale, uh, Lorraine Toussaint, and uh, Julianne Nicholson. Mm -hmm. And I play maybe a bad sheriff. I don't know. (laughs) And then... uh, um, Ambiguous. There's another movie premiering there called... um, 
Mr. Pig with Danny Glover and Maya Rudolph. Oh, I love Maya Rudolph. Little part of it. Yeah, she was really sweet to me. Uh, we flew down to Guadalajara together. Nice. Um, and then I've got this other movie that premiered this week called Lamb, which is a weird. Uh, it's not based on the Christopher Moore book, is it? No, it's a, oh. it's on a woman's book. Oh, okay. uh, whose name? Nadam, Nadam, something or other. Hmm, okay. Uh, but uh, this friend of mine. Uh, took it on and it's this weird story about this 47 year old man who kind of hooks up with this 11 year old girl and they go on a road trip and you're on the edge of your seat thinking something's horrible going to happen the whole time it's 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 really an interesting film huh, in wow, that way wow. that, you know without any cgi or any explosions or gunfire or anything the whole time you're on the edge of your seat going oh this is not good this is not good am i going to see something i don't want to see oh boy well all three of these films you might you know hopefully you'll see in a, in a theater that'd be great uh, that'd be great somewhere but, uh, what, what's your take on the whole sundance doing the thing i mean i'm assuming that's a lot of uh a lot of schmoozing and a lot of cameras and a lot of uh, uh junket a lot of all that what do you, what do you how do you deal with that well uh it's wildly expensive uh, to go to Sundance. So unless the movie company is putting you up, then mm. uh, if you have a small part in mm-hmm. movies, like mm-hmm. maybe I have my part in mm-hmm. two of these, uh, to just go and hang out for a week at you know six hundred, eight hundred dollars a night for a hotel room, mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. you're going to ski on top of it. Mm-hmm. You're going to what are you going to you know and your bars and. So I'm uh, I'm just doing an assault mission. I'm going in for the one premiere uh, for a couple of days. Right. And, uh, getting out. I was there last year for um, Slam Dance, uh, okay. which is now at the same time. Uh-huh. But I, I did a movie called Blood Sucking Bastards. Then that, that was fun. Uh, so I was there for a, a few more days last time, but. It's time to uh, to get some work yeah, and, uh, yeah. to be doing other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the dry season, the, the December, right after Thanksgiving, everything dries up until yeah. but it's just starting, before Valentine's starting Day. Starting to gear up. Yeah, that's and, cool, that's uh, cool. I'm uh, hoping to get on something. Cool, cool. You know, the, the dream, of course, is to get another series like, sure. you know. Get a regular recurring role in a series, and yeah, and you, then you, you take care of your. Uh, so you, you'd have that going for you, which is nice. Uh, I had <laughs> I had five years on Dharma and Greg that was oh, yeah. six blocks from the house. That oh. was pretty much the gravy train with biscuit wheels. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe something like that'll happen again. But uh, you know, the sitcom life is is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But in the meantime, I'll just keep dabbling. Nice, and, nice. Uh, the bills are paid. And cool. Yeah, and you got you got your shows with the Who's Line guys coming up and all that stuff too. Yeah, and we've got a few set in February. We're going to go up to British Columbia and uh, Washington Anal State. Anal Cortez. <laughs> Anal Cortez, as uh, Proop says. <laughs> It'll be good to hang with the boys. I miss I I miss them. That's another reason I go see Proop shows because, you know, for certain stretches there we're we're inseparable we're oh, out sure, every night sure, together and we're sure. talking till you know two in the morning oh, yeah. every night and, uh, that's good that's just got to be fun one of my favorite things i've done a little bit of open mic stuff and i like going to comedy shows and kind of hanging back afterwards because i like that i like comedian banter i love watching guys riff mm-hmm. or guys girls whoever sitting around and riffing it's just i really enjoy that and it's it goes back to that old showbiz backroom you know like watching the aristocrats or watching uh <laughs> uh prevents a uh, green room show or you know the old dick Cavett, blah blah i love old show, showbiz talk yeah. and guys just sitting around shooting the shit and i love that stuff i eat it up so used to be uh, i had a friend a wealthy friend we he would call up and we'd 
go to the Palm mm. and sit in the back in a booth. And in on the other side of this bank of booths were Shecky Green and Milton Berle oh. and, you know, Buddy Hackett. Nice. All these guys would meet nice. all the time. It was like the Friars Club, oh. but they would meet it. They would meet at their own kind of private area at yeah, the Palm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you could sit back there and it would be going on behind you. Yeah. You wouldn't turn around and look, you but you could hear look, it. But you, you could knew hear the voices. It. You and it was hear so it. obvious you who that was kind of thing. And that that was some of the best Hollywood <laughs> I ever had. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, Joel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, this has it's been... nice to have one where the other guy talks. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, I keep doing what you do, and uh, it's definitely appreciated and noticed. So thanks very much. All right. I had a, a nice quote from the Lamb Review the other day mm-hmm. where the guy said, and then you, you got Joel Murray in an ill-fitting suit holding a cup of coffee. And, you know, sometimes that that's all you need for a movie. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to send that off to my manager and say, hey, hey, look stick that. that on a thing Put somewhere. That Put that in a liner note of a book or <laughs> back of a DVD somewhere or something. Tell that to somebody who's casting something yeah, yeah. that's cool yeah. cool well, we'll oh, put pleasure. links up to the stuff you mentioned and and uh and i'll me. put some links up for you and uh where can people find you online uh what is there oh i'm uh what am i i'm joel murray nine of nine on uh twitter okay and uh it's time yep uh and what else am i that's all i am what yeah. else am i i'm on instagram same thing joel cool. murray nine of nine cool cool uh because i'm the ninth child you're the, you're the baby of nine <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Great. I gotta get a web page just so I can put up that quote. <laughs> just have that, and nothing yeah. else. <laughs> Maybe a picture in the ill-fitting suit. <laughs> well, well, that, I mean, I was on Mad Men. I did fifteen episodes, yeah. and the suits were so incredibly tight oh, and yeah. ill-fitting for me. And the producer thought it'd be a funny thing if my suits were out of style and didn't fit. And everybody else has got these phenomenal clothes yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're here just I like, am like a sausage. How you yeah. doing? But, yeah. So. Uh, cool. All right. Um, thanks very much again for your time. Really appreciate Still it. Still leaving. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. I'm underscore St. Michael on Instagram. You can find us online as something2xp.net. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog. Listen to past episodes on something2xp.net. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your hosts, Michael John Simpson and Kitty Brown. Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. Please visit our website at something2xp.net. You can find us online everywhere as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Please help support our podcast and get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash something2xp. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.